0: I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Worlds Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? As you get ready to close out another month, but another week of sports talk that needs to be discussed, and you're going to hear it all here. Over the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour. On the latest edition of the J Reels podcast, this is your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this content. And for those who've been banging with me for now 141 episodes, I welcome you guys back. It's a Monday, June the 29th, in the year of our Lord 2020. The J Reels What's the Deal segment. What to expect here over the course of this podcast is as follows. The NBA will restart on July 30th as games, the schedule, everything is set to have a two-week run to start off the playoffs in a little bit after August the 14th. We'll talk about that. Also, players opting out as we get ready to return to training camp and restart this NBA season. You'll get my thoughts on that as well as the decision. Ten years ago, around this week, I think it was, what, July the 6th? I saw it was next week, but you heard a lot of pub and press on it. The LeBron James-produced TV show through ESPN taking his talents to South Beach. We'll revisit that for a little bit just to have some fun as it's already 10 years to think, where the hell does the time go? Baseball is back. We'll also talk about what to expect there as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. Also, a record that will have a huge asterisk if it is attained, but why it won't really count in the grand scheme of things. I'll also get into the NFL. Cam Newton, the big signing with him going up to New England, one-year deal, incentive-laden, how that could be a plus, but also could possibly be a negative when it comes to the former Carolina Panther quarterback. Also get into some other things, whether it's golf, some NHL news and notes as they're trying to get a new CBA done in the NHL, which is good for them because as we all know, baseball is out in the wilderness when it comes to that. Also the kooky draft lottery for the NHL, which I do not like. The marathon being canceled. Actually, lots to discuss here on this podcast, so let's get right to it. My opening theme here for this week, I get over the past two months, it's been nothing but gloom and doom when it comes to what is going on in the world of sports. And what I mean by that is with these recent surges of COVID cases going up and there was a little bit of a lull earlier in the month, obviously a lot of it was focused on the racial tension and the police brutality, everything that's gone on in Minneapolis, Atlanta, and all these different parts of the country. But now with COVID making its unexpected return in certain parts of this nation of ours, I know that when I come on here, I want to speak nothing but truth. I want to be real with my thoughts, my opinions. I'm not going to be over the top as far as just some crazy hot take just for the sake of clickbait material. For those who have been following me since day one, you know that is not my MO when it comes to this podcast. I'm not looking to go over the top of my opinions and my analysis just for the sake of doing so because me doing this independently, it's quite simple to go out and say what I want to say and do what I want to do and not have any consequences or repercussions about it. But as we all know, there is a long-term goal when it comes to this and I want it to be credible, not only entertaining and informative, but I want you guys to keep coming back knowing that Jay Rules speaks the truth. Not only that no matter what it is that I say Is not only going to come from the top of my head But it's also going to come from my heart And that's what I hope Keeps you guys coming back Week after week As I continue to produce this podcast So as I close out the first half of 2020 No more gloom and doom As always I'll keep it real It's easy for me to go down that road To discuss the rising numbers As I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago Possibly affecting the return of sports Whether it's in the NBA where we had, what, 16 of 302 players test positive, including Nikola Jokic, the Denver Nuggets star. Whether it's the start of MLB, Charlie Blackman, the Texas Rangers having multiple employees test positive. Not the players, but the employees that work for the Texas Rangers, where the concern obviously is very high when it comes to the brass of the Rangers and wondering whether or not the season will kick off. Golf, where you had caddies for major players like Brooks Kepka getting... Tested and coming up positive And a lot of these top golfers Just bowing out Especially over the weekend Where we had an event up in uh, Connecticut Where Dustin Johnson won And we'll get to him later on College with more players On the Clemson football team Contracting the virus The NFL, Malcolm Jenkins saying that the virus Has to be eliminated before he feels comfortable playing again We're not going to talk about that today and I get that you're going to say, well, Jay Reels, you just mentioned it now. Well, I'm stating it now so we can move on to some other things. Because every week it seems like it's a COVID report. And for me to come out and say what I've been saying for the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 weeks, you name it, not this week. I'm not going to sound like the proverbial broken record of weeks past, which may not be much, but I'll spare you this time around as we head into July. Hopefully the sun will be just as bright as, and we'll shine as high as it possibly can with sports potentially on the horizon. So, let's get right at it and have a little kumbaya and have a little smile on our face and whatever it is that you're doing whether you're driving on the highway or sipping a cup of coffee or even having some lunch, you're going to know that over the course of the next, we'll say 60 minutes, I'm not going to come at you with these depressing numbers and the thoughts of sports not returning as opposed to talking about the positive. So, Again, moving forward, I don't know, I can't promise you anything, but as for right now, as for this day, we're going to keep it on the plus side. And I'm going to start off with the baseball, since they're going to be the first sport coming back into the mix. If you heard my podcast on Thursday, which was a great conversation I had with Monica McNutt from MSD Network, so if you didn't get to listen to that, please, that was a very fun, engaging, and just a spirited conversation that her and I had. But at the very end, I talked about baseball coming back. And one of the things that we look at here, the players will report come Wednesday in each of their respective cities. You wonder what is going to happen here between now and the 23rd where the baseball season is going to begin. The full schedule isn't out, but a report had come out that the Yankees will play the Nationals in Nationals Park to start off the 2020 baseball season, which would be just a great, I mean, you couldn't have two better teams to start off your baseball season. And I believe the target date is July 23rd, which would be three weeks from this coming Thursday. And with the way the schedule is going to break down, so you're going to have AL East versus NL East, AL Central, NL Central, AL West, NL West. Of course, to cut down the travel, so these players won't have to fly all over the country. Although the West is a little tricky because you have both teams in Texas, Houston, and the Texas Rangers, and they have to fly to the Pacific Northwest and out West. So for them, it's going to be a little bit of a troop. But when you look at the East and the Central, all those teams that are located in those regions, obviously they don't have very much to travel. But when we look at the schedule here, although it will probably come out in the next couple of days or so, but knowing that you're going to have 60 games where you're going to have 10 games versus your four division opponents. So obviously me being a Met fan, you're going to have 10 games versus the... Miami Marlins You're going to have 10 games versus the Phillies 10 games versus the Braves And 10 games versus the Nationals And then the other 20 games Will come Against the 5 teams In the American League East Four Against each of those 5 teams So you're going to have 2 game series For each Of the 5 AL teams And then you're going to have 5 And 5 Home and away For the 4 division teams In your division And that's how the baseball season is going to be broken down. Now, we won't know the rest of the schedule until probably in the coming days. Hopefully by next Monday, I'll get the chance to break it down, talk about it, those final series of the year, how that's going to shake down or unfold. And remember, the one thing about this coming year, and we're going to have to throw out all the numbers and people are going to say, is the World Series champion going to be legit and so on and so forth. Well, let's get to that bridge when we are about to cross it. Because right now, and we understand it's going to be a quirky season. It's weird, 60 games. It doesn't really count. That's going to be the prevailing thought for a lot of people. But if it's a Yankees Dodgers World Series and either the Yankees or Dodgers, let's say, win in seven, are people going to discount that? Are people going to look at that World Series as not being legit when arguably those are the two best teams in baseball right now? People will think, well, they probably would have gotten there at 162, but of course it's not it's 160. I think if you have a Padres-White Sox World Series, a lot of people will certainly look at that as not being a legit champion. But we could talk about this now, and we could break it all down, And but for what? Let's get to October 1st, see who your playoff teams are, and then more importantly, let's see once we get to the Fall Classic, and then we'll take it from there. And I know that another record that certainly will be in high alert as we get into the season and especially when you get into September is the 400 hitter we get that the records are pretty much going to be out the window so if you have a starting pitcher let's say that goes 12 and 0 they're going to say oh they had a perfect season well obviously we know it's not a perfect season because it's not a full 162 games just like if somebody were to hit 400 it would be a scenario where, yes, and the books will account as a 400 season, yes, but it's not going to be compared to Ted Williams or Rogers Hornsby or players of yesteryear, which played a full season and back then was 154 games, where they were able to achieve that number, which hasn't been set in 70 plus years. So if you're Charlie Blackman, if you're Jeff McNeil, if you're some of the game's great hitters And the sad part is Is that off the top of my head Since I'm not in baseball mode It's not like I could go back and say In the 90s Oh yeah sure Tony Gwynn Or Wade Boggs Or even earlier than that George Brett who hit 390 In the year 1980 Or even John Olerud As he was approaching the All-Star break Was still flirting with 400. When you have players like that That you knew were pure hitters In baseball today Unfortunately with the stupid sabermetrics if it's not the home run or strikeout or a walk, nothing else really matters. How does not hitting a ball in play a good thing? They almost look at the strikeout as not a plus, but they certainly don't look at it, oh, it's not a bad thing. And with all the launch angles and the exit velocity, I mean, that's more important than a guy trying to get on base or trying to slap the ball between the shortstop and third baseman to get a base hit where they just rather talk about the home run and making sure that the exit velo was 110 which is a disgrace but that's baseball in 2020 unfortunately but when you don't have that pure hitter because a lot of these players are predicated on power yes you do have good hitters in baseball I know I just mentioned Charlie Blackman and Jeff McNeil as a couple right off the top of my head I mean you got plenty of others out there you know Francisco Lindor is a good young hitter not really a 400 hitter but my point being is that if you do get a player that's going to flirt with it come September And you know there's going to be a lot of press around that But is it going to really be legit at the end of the day? In this case, absolutely not So for us to just kind of talk about How the season's going to unfold Is this World Series champion going to be legit? What's going to happen with some of the records? Who's going to be your Cy Young? If Jacob DeGrom happens to be up there for Cy Young Is this going to count? If he ends up getting his third straight Cy Young award for the National League Obviously, all of it is subjective. To me, in my eyes, it's not going to count. But as far as the World Series is concerned, let's wait till we get to that point for us to break it down and really get a good sense as, as to whether or not it's going to be legit. And that's pretty much what you got with the baseball. I mean, other than that, once these teams start to report, you wonder with certain injuries, especially here locally, when you're looking at a guy like Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton. Even Ioannis Cespedes, for that matter. And how they're going to play into their lineups once the season starts. Those are going to be some key parts of each of those teams as to how far they're going to go. Now the Yankees obviously are loaded. So without Judge or Stanton, even for a significant amount of time, they're certainly not going to lose a step when you got guys like Gleyber Torres, when you have DJ LeMahieu, Gary Sanchez, you just just going down the line. Where the Mets, although a lot of people don't think Johannes Cespedes was going to be a big factor on this team this year Despite him being in a walk year Final year of his contract But there were a lot of ifs And there's always a bunch of ifs when it comes to the Mets But certainly with Ioannis If you were able to get his bat in the lineup on a consistent basis To lengthen that lineup To go along with Alonso and Conforto And guys like that You could only hope that he's going to be ready to go July 23rd, 24th, wherever the Mets play So those are the things we're going to be looking at As far as on the injury front From some of these players And I'm sure they're not going to play any games Maybe will the Mets and Yankees play A home and home exhibition As a bit of a scrimmage Just like you may see Down the pike between Baltimore and Washington Or maybe Philly and Baltimore They'll split that time there We'll see Baseball I know is going to be in the periphery Of a lot of people here Because with that being the first sport back and with everybody looking to get some semblance of normalcy Especially when it comes to the sports world Because how many golf tournaments can you watch? Can you really get into NASCAR? I know MMA, you got the in Wool MMA fan But at the same time, a lot of us, including myself, aren't But baseballs, we all know when it comes to the summer And the day-to-day rhythm and routine Of what takes place in these summer months You always look forward to that baseball game Fingers crossed Let's hope and pray but we still have plenty of time between now and then And let's just hope everything could go as smooth as possible Despite what's happening in the world But again, we're not going to go there today Because we're going to just keep it all positive Make sure we burn that sports sage To get all the spirits out And the inhale all the good stuff If you know what I mean So that's what we got there with baseball And next up is going to be the NBA Because a week right after The baseball season begins You're going to have the NBA Reboot down in Orlando, the first two games that will tip off will be Utah, and New Orleans, then the Lakers and Clippers, and you're going to have a bunch of games scattered here, you're going to have some 1230 games, you're going to have 630 games, you're going to have a lot of weird times, but with ESPN and TNT being all over it, I'm sure the hoop head is going to be just salivating at the thought of being able to watch games pretty much from the start of the day or around lunchtime till about the time they go to bed, it's almost as if it's going to be... Like the NBA Christmas schedule Where you have games from noon till past midnight And we all know that the reason why They're doing the season reboot And that have the 22 teams down there Is only because They want to have an opportunity to get Zion And that's where you're going to see Front and center is the first game On July the 30th They want to have an opportunity To have New Orleans get that 8th seed Over the Memphis Grizzlies To have that matchup Against the Lakers LeBron Anthony Davis Etc Because we all know With them being I believe right now At the top of my head About three games back of Memphis In the Western Conference The bottom line is that The Adam Silvers And the NBA higher ups Are just salivating at the thought And no offense I'm sure to The people down in Tennessee But they want to have The crown jewel Of the NBA draft last year To be playing in playoff games against the mighty Lakers and even though you have San Antonio and Portland they're battling for that eighth seed to me this is all about getting New Orleans there because if not they probably would have had a couple of scrimmage games and just start the postseason but no they feel as if let's get those teams in and also the Washington Wizards and there were a few games behind the Nets for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference So that's what you're looking at here as the NBA is still a month away. Now here we are on the 29th of June and to think we're still just a day and a month away from the NBA restarting. So just like with baseball, this is going to be a little bit more legitimate because we had a bulk of a season being played and even though players have not really practiced full bore and certainly haven't shot at hoops for quite some time. Who knows if Giannis has had a chance to? Because I believe it was a couple months ago he came out and says that I don't even have a hoop to practice on. You just wonder how these teams are going to perform once the lights are turned on. And as I said before, and I'll say again, you're going to get some sloppy play out of the gate here. I mean, there is going to be no if, ands, buts, maybes about it. So you may have a series where if it's going to be the Bucks in Orlando or the Bucs in the Brooklyn Nets. Would you be surprised if uh, the Nets are up two games to one? And now, mind you, this is minus Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But at the same time, we don't know how these players are going to, A, deal with the bubble scenario down in Orlando. B, the shape of these players that have been in after all this time being idle. So there's going to be a lot to factor in, especially in this first round. And then once you figure these teams get their sea legs, they'll be able to go ahead and maybe make that deep postseason run if you're in Milwaukee or LA whether you're the Clippers or Lakers maybe even the Toronto Raptors but that first round is certainly going to be probably you're going to see NBA games of the 90s you may see a lot of 85-82s or 80-78 to 78 type games so there's still plenty of time between now and then and to me it's too early to make predictions I get that on these shows a lot of the talking heads they want to and I understand for ratings etc but it is just way too early to start with these predictions it just we're still a month away from this and even though we could kind of taste it and it's pretty much in our front view mirror or it's in on the horizon but to get into oh i think it's going to be Celtics and Clippers or Bucks and Toronto you're going to be in the conference final uh, it's way too early to even think that because as we've seen here over the last couple of weeks in the segue to that there are a lot of players that have been opting out of returning To the postseason or to a regular season To spend time with families And in this particular case A.V. Bradley with the Lakers Now understand A.V. Bradley's not LeBron James He's not Anthony Davis But he's a guy that has started And he's a guy that we all know is an all defensive team player And certainly has Been in this league for quite some time And right not to make him out to be A future Hall of Famer But when you have a guy that's a key guy in your lineup To Step out to be with their family Or to do whatever it is Considering what's going on in this country And that they feel it is more important Or even bigger than basketball Then you have to respect that Now you know the Trevor Reezes of the world And the uh, And Davi's Bertrands Are those guys going to be Critical components to their teams this year? Probably not I mean Bertrands is on the Wizards The Wizards right now on the outside looking in Is he going to be a guy that's Going to be sorely missed? Probably not But with the way the coronavirus is gone And a lot of concerns there By Adam Silver He even expressed that on a conference call on Friday Wondering that if the season And the postseason can be in jeopardy Because of what's going on And obviously with them Housing the players Personnel etc In the middle of the state It's certainly a dice roll But they're going to do whatever it takes To finish the season And rightfully so as he said last week in a perfect world they would shut it down they wouldn't even think about going back but there's too much money at stake these contracts that they have with the networks and why not will it happen remains to be seen and again I'm trying to make this all about rainbows and unicorns and sunny skies here so no doom and gloom like I said at the top but as far as the predictions and things of that nature I just to me it's way too early I mean let's let's pump the brakes. God forbid during their training camp, somebody turns an ankle or somebody has a nagging injury or a hamstring or whatever. And I'm not even talking about COVID. So this is something that as at least right now, I am not going to get into as far as what I think or who's going to be the top two teams to come out of each the Eastern and Western Conference. Well, it's way too soon. That's like me picking a World Series prediction right now, knowing that baseball is three and a half weeks away. I'm just not going to do it. So that's what you got with the NBA. Also, this this coming week is the 10-year anniversary of the decision, LeBron James. I know a lot was made, and I didn't really get into a lot of the articles that were on, especially in particular ESPN, since it was broadcast on there, Jim Gray. We all know the whole deal, the Boys and Girls Club in Connecticut, LeBron James, taking his talents to South Beach. I remember where I was, here in the Bronx, warm night knew about this TV show, you think to yourself, this is weird, like why would he do this? And then when that came down, I, the internet broke. And we know what took place and we know what ensued after that in Miami and even more so in Cleveland, burning of the jerseys, just the despair and the crestfallen fan base in region of Northeast Ohio and then having to swallow another bitter pill knowing that they have not won a championship or come close to that. Since 1964 when The Cleveland Browns led by Jim Brown The great Jim Brown Won a championship And I remember that was Not only was it Huge news but it was front page news And then just a few days after that The big ceremony down in Miami In the building with Chris Bosh And Dwayne Wade where LeBron came out And said I don't know five championships Maybe six maybe seven eight who knows well they made it to four finals and won two of them and when you think about it they probably only should have won one which is crazy when you really digest it because we all know if it wasn't for that Ray Allen three in the corner and San Antonio just gagging in the final minutes of game six they would have been one and three but we all know we can't go back and rewrite history So they did win their two championships out of the four that they made it to the finals. The great run that they had. And I remember that story just being not only just front page and that's all people talked about over the week or two right after that. But then the Heat were the new villains of sports and how they became the Heatles the year after that. And it was just a fascinating time to be an NBA fan and that pretty much... Jump-started the NBA As far as Not only this decade But you could even say This century Because even though The Spurs were winning titles In the middle part Of the 2000s Which started off With the three-peat By the Lakers In 2000 to 2002 But the NBA Was at that place Post-Jordan And even though You had Kobe You had Tim Duncan You had Stars throughout the league But you didn't really have You didn't have the flair You didn't have the panache The way the NBA is right now and to me, that jump started it. We all know LeBron, two thousand three, and you also got to credit him being a part of the two thousands as far as his influence, his impact in the league. But it was taken to another height when he went to Miami, because watching the Heat was almost must see TV, especially if they were playing big teams during that time. And we know how the Miami. Tenure unfolded under LeBron And then him going to Cleveland And we know the rest Is history after that And he finally did bring That city a championship But to think 10 years Ago Pretty much the only blip On LeBron James's radar As far as his Career is concerned And I know a lot of people Have revisited that this week And to me Right It was Awful It was terrible It was certainly self-absorbing We understand he's LeBron James Arguably top four or Five player of all time Not at the time of course But It was one of those things where I'm sure if you gave him some truth serum and had to ask him, would you take that back? I'm sure he would say yes. Maybe not necessarily for the cause because of the money that was generated to go toward the Boys and Girls Club there in Connecticut. I forgot where. But just knowing that he had to put that out there on a TV special and then what happened following that, especially in his hometown of Cleveland, uh, it was certainly one I'm sure he would, uh, I don't want to say regrets too strong, but he would definitely like to take that one back. All right, next up would be the NHL. And the NHL right now, they've listed five teams as the city of Vancouver has dropped out of being one of the two cities to host as a hub once the playoffs start up. And you would think, we don't even have dates just yet, but you would think it's going to be sometime at the end of July, maybe August 1st, who knows. But you have now five teams That are in line for these two hub locations Which is now broken down to Edmonton, Toronto, Chicago, LA and Vegas Now LA could be off the board Because they've been hit recently With the COVID-19 And we understand a month from now It could be different We don't know how this is going to transpire But if you're Gary Bettman and company As tough as you probably Are thinking to scratch LA off the list And probably going to hold to the last minute It may be best just to do so You wonder if both Edmonton and Toronto, two Canada cities, will play host to both of these rounds. You figure Toronto, all the teams in the East, will go up there and then Edmonton will be the West. Chicago, which hasn't really been hit as hard due to COVID-19. And then Vegas, the same as well, although Vegas has opened up and casinos and you haven't heard numbers spike up there, which is interesting. With their sense of normalcy coming back and like I said, when you're on the strip and With all the casinos, the restaurants I'm sure the shows aren't up as, as of yet But people definitely want to gamble We know what Vegas is all about But you haven't really seen an uptick there So you would think They would probably want to do one Canadian city And one American city But if not, they would probably have to go Edmonton, Toronto, you would think So we have to wait for the announcement For those final two cities And then we could uh, take it from there But a couple of other things about the NHL That I found pretty fascinating One was the CBA The collective bargaining agreement that They're actually close to re-upping Now the current CBA isn't over until September of 2022 But they have a framework in place where it would be six years And it would include the next two years Now part of the problem is And it's a critical point in this CBA is that there's an escrow system that needs to be fixed so the players can be paid not only here for the 2019-20 season due to the pandemic, but also into next season because you figure that the season's not going to start until, I would say, December, late December at the earliest. So you're probably looking at January, and I'm sure you're going to look at probably a 60-game season because they're not going to start in January, play an 82-game season, and then they're going to be done probably, if you do the math, September, October. I'm sure they're not going to do that. So the sticking point right now, and I know the Rangers top forward, Artemi Panarin, he had come out and was pretty vocal about them having to fix this escrow system because players won't have to wait until season's ends to retrieve some of the money that was lost due to the pandemic. So he was one guy that came out against it. There's a 50-50 split as far as revenue is concerned between the players and owners. And as we know right now, there are going to be no fans especially for the postseason and who knows going into next season what that's going to be like if there's not a treatment or some sort of concoction to slow the spread of the coronavirus. So all that is front and center right now for them to try to dot the I's, cross the T's, to get the CBA done. Now there's no rush, which is good. It's not like they have to do this by the end of next year, of uh, the baseball season. But it's something that they certainly want to get this Lock, stock, and barrel to have not a worry, not even next year, but two years down the road. And we understand the pandemic has been a huge impact as far as revenue and players getting paid and everything that has been pretty much been taking place, not only with the NHL, but all the other sports. But the one thing the NHL, as good as it's for them to try to get this thing taken care of, the one thing that's against them is 1995 and the 0405 season. Because the last thing that they want to have on their hands is another lockout or another strike. If you remember '95, they lost the first half of the season where they played, I believe, what 50 some odd games. That was the year the Devils won, and then the 0405 season was just black. They didn't play at all. So knowing that the NHL right now they want to get this thing taken care of ASAP is a good thing. Because they certainly don't want this to drag out any further than it has to. And look, and they're doing this two years ahead of schedule. So kudos to them. As far as this 2020 NHL Draft Lottery. Now they had it held Friday night. But the crazy thing is that the number one pick was not determined. And I understand that this is a very peculiar year. It's going to be different. They're going to try to do whatever to make it either fair I don't even know what it, I can't even express it because how is it that you have your team's two through eight setup where LA gets the second pick overall Ottawa has picks three and five and that's due to the Eric Carlson trade with the San Jose Sharks so the Sharks had to send the number one pick to Ottawa and then Detroit which had the worst point total in the NHL which chances are they probably deserve the number one pick if you look at the percentages and the odds of them winning it they're going to have the fourth overall pick So they get screwed there But that leaves the number one pick open For teams like Pittsburgh For a team like Edmonton To get the number one pick Even the Rangers And we get that the Rangers were Pretty much at What were they? 10th I believe In the Eastern Conference Even the Islanders have a shot To get the number one pick Which would be something Because They're going to open up A new building in two years So It would be nice to get a guy Like Alexis Lafreniere Was the Consensus Number one overall pick Of this upcoming draft played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, 297 points in his career up in junior. But the one thing I don't understand is that why are teams like Edmonton, Pittsburgh, the 5 through 12 teams in each of the East and West Conference, why are they in the running for the number one pick? Like who made that up? Now, I didn't fully get to grasp this whole concept. I certainly don't like it. And I don't know why the NHL is doing it Because it's a special year Because it's a little bit different Because could you imagine if Edmonton ends up getting the number one pick So they'll have Connor McDavid Who chances are could be the guy that's going to carry the torch From Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin And then you're going to have this kid Lafreniere be on your team as well Or even if the Penguins get him So talk about a torch carry Sid only has to go to the other side of the locker room To hand it over to Lafreniere once his time is up So I look at that as a little bit unfair. I don't know why they did it that way. A little strange. But now, of course, if the Islanders end up getting the pick, am I going to be jumping for joy and rejoicing? Uh, Probably. I mean, I'll be stupid not to. But at the same time, I just didn't understand why those teams, 5 through 12, in each of the Eastern and Western Conference were able to get a chance to draft number one overall. I, I don't understand it. So that's what you have there And then lastly With the hockey You have The Hall of Fame inductees Which I believe Is usually in September I don't know if it's going to Take place but You have Jerome McGinley The longtime Calgary Flame Over 500 goals Tough as nails Tough winger He's going in As well as Marion Hossa The longtime Ottawa Senator Also played in Chicago With the Blackhawks Doug Wilson The old defenseman Speaking of the Blackhawks Who had a Just a lethal shot At the point on a power play and then Kevin Lowe, who I thought was already in the Hall of Fame. He the Edmonton Oilers. Those are the hockey hall inductees, and they're all worthy. Now Hosa is a guy that I believe had issues with performance enhancing drugs, if I'm not mistaken. Now, don't quote me on that. I'd have to go back and look. But he was a guy that was certainly a good a very good goal scorer during his time there in the mid two thousands and was a dominant player. I'd have to go back and check into the stats. But when I saw his name up there, I certainly didn't really doubt or question whether or not he deserves to be mentioned with those other guys. And with a is 500 goals equivalent to 500 home runs in baseball? That may be the barometer, but he was a dominant power forward in a league where, granted he came in in the 90s, but the game was starting to wean off of its old self and where he was still playing like that going into the... 20 teens And now the hockey hall calls him As well as Kevin Lowe Now Lowe is a stay-at-home defenseman He certainly wasn't Paul Coffey To say the least But When you're on a team that's won Five Stanley Cups And I believe he's on the Rangers For that six Stanley Cup With Mark Messi in 94 And we all know He wasn't a stats dominant guy But Certainly played the position Just like a lot of the stay-at-home defensemans Over the years A la Rod Langway If you're going to go back to the Capitals In the 80s Guys who were just the pillar of strength on their blue line. And Kevin Lowe has made it to the Hall of Fame, which I would assume will be sometime in September. I don't know if they're going to do a virtual thing. Who knows? But as we've seen with the other sports, whether it's baseball and just now football, as they have scrapped their Hall of Fame festivities over the summer, you would think the NHL will probably do the same thing. But I'm sure 2021 will be the time for those aforementioned players to have their Final moment in the hockey sun to be inducted and enshrined in the Hall of Fame. All right, now we'll get to the NFL. And the big news coming out of New England last night is a one Cam Newton, the former Carolina Panther 2015 NFL MVP. A lot of people thought, where would he sign, considering the NFL offseason has been almost three months in, and a lot of the teams have had their quarterbacks set up in each of their respective cities. Well we always thought that Bill Belichick was going to be a guy that would be a huge factor in this provided that the market would come back to him if nobody were to sign a one Cam Newton in which he did to a one-year deal incentive laden you know the Pats they're going to be secretive as to how much money he's going to make I checked early this morning I didn't see anything as far as what the structure or even the amount would be as far as what his base is and what the incentives, what it could total. Now, this is a very low-risk, high-reward situation because when you look at the roster now, whether it's Jared Stidham, the kid who looked like was going to be the front-runner to helm the quarterback position up in New England post-Tom Brady. Also, Brian Hoyer was going to be the backup. And then now with Newton going in there, he's certainly going to give them both a run for their money As far as who's going to start in the center Game 1 of this upcoming 2020 season But the thing with Newton The reason why I say low risk high reward Obviously you're not paying him Whatever it is Even if the base is let's say 3 million We all know that Newton is going to want to go out there And show and prove that he's 100% Ready to go Focused This is a, another lease on life Considering what he had To go through the last two years But as we all know With Cam Newton especially as he's 30 years old, big body, we know his resume and we know the type of player he is. Will he have an effect on this team? I think he will if he starts. Is he still productive? To me, remains to be seen. We all know New England's offense is more of a dink and dunk. I don't think they're going to radically change that concept. As you've seen from years past, everything is going to be bubble screens and Dumps to the wide receiver a la Julian Edelman And we get that this is going to be a different Patriot team Obviously without Brady being there But even more so with the offensive weapons that this team has You know you're not going to see the likes of some of the old players That you've seen on this team that are coming with a new quarterback It's pretty much going to be Julian Edelman and everybody else So we have to wait and see as far as him being productive But the bottom line when it comes to Cam Newton Is going to be his health We understand he had the shoulder injuries a couple years back and the Frank injury with his foot. And as a matter of fact, I got to flip-flop that. I believe the foot was two years ago and he had the shoulder this past year. And if he's healthy and ready to go, is he a top 10 quarterback? Eh. Borderline, we all know that he still can be an effective player in this league. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, buts about that. If he goes in there in the lineup and he starts, they're certainly going to be the favorites in the AFC East. As of right now, it's a little bit tentative if it was going to be Jared Stidham, but if Newton's going to be there for all 16 games, you would think they would win a division at 10 and 6, maybe 11 and 5. But we won't know. We have to see what his health is like, and I'm sure he is going to be chomping at the bit to not only get to camp, but also to be that guy under center to start this year. Does he have a lot to prove? To me, it's all about his health. We know about his ability We understand he's going to have to take some chances As far as more of his throwing in the pocket Where we know he's not an accurate passer And he's not going to run the way he once did And certainly not with I'm not going to say reckless abandon But he's not going to be a guy He's going to choose the spots when to run Whether for that first down Or whether to get those extra yards Or what have you He knows he's not 23, 24 years old anymore Can this pay off? Again is he playing 16 games Is he playing 6 games Is he playing 11 games well, Give me the number And then we'll see And speaking of health I know Demora Smith The head of the players union Came out With a few comments As far as these players With their private workouts In particular Tom Brady Down in Tampa And even Russell Wilson In Seattle Saying that It's going against Players safety How it's not in the best interest of players that heading into training camp And obviously completing an entire season by going ahead and having these private workouts on their own As we all know and we've seen in the past Tom Brady has done that for years on end with his former Patriot receivers And although we saw that video What was it about a week ago At a local high school with a bunch of players there Right you have to wonder are they practicing any type of social distancing We know they're huddling To a certain extent Maybe not that you'll see on a Play-by-play basis In a regular NFL game But You know these guys are getting together And they're sweating and spitting And We know that there's a huge risk To have these players get together On their own volition Whether it's Three guys Five guys Even up to ten guys Brady Is he going to alter that now Between now and the start of training camp? Who knows? Is he going to cut it down? It's not as if he's had a whole 11-on-11 squad or 7-on-7, but we have seen quite a few players out there. And Demore Smith is right. If players are going to go out there, run the risk, even if it means trying to get in sync with his receivers or trying to build that camaraderie before the start of the training camp and the NFL season, it's still a giant crapshoot. So who knows if Brady or Wilson or any other players that have been practicing on the sidelines if they're going to comply here between now and I believe what a lot of these camps are opening somewhere between July 24th and 28th I would think so that's something to keep an eye on and speaking of the Patriots they also lose a third round pick for those that are interested because of the TV crew that represented the team when they recorded the Bengals sideline during a game versus the Browns last year. So they lose a third round pick next year and $1.1 million is a fine. So we all know that Bill Belichick loves to get those gems in the later rounds. So he's not going to have a third round pick next year. And as we know, the Hall of Fame and the ceremonies were canceled, which I felt it was right. We don't know what the heck's going to happen here over the course of the next month and a half. And I understand in talking with a friend of mine the other day, he said, oh, it was too early. Why couldn't they wait till the week before? Well, obviously they have a lot of Travel arrangements and getting the players in And we all know there's probably not going to be fans there Or if they were trying to have fans there It would have been a mess So for them to pull the plug on it now Was just the right thing to do It would have been a PR disaster The more they would have suspended this Or would have suspended Putting out a release or a statement On whether or not they were going to execute this So good for them by doing this They could just wait another year And add the class to 2021 Although I guess a lot of people will still look at it as the 2020 class Whether your name is Troy Polamalu Edrin James Jimmy Johnson Bill Cowher Etc Down the line So We won't have to Worry about that Come the first week of August Now I'll turn my attention To a couple of other things Before I bid adieu For those living in this region And I know I'm a class of 2016 The New York City Marathon Was cancelled this year And they certainly Don't waste any time A lot of their races Here in New York With the Roadrunners club had to be canceled due to coronavirus so for those out there my condolences I know it's tough you train and you look forward to running in that first Sunday in November and I know what that's like and it was an ultimate thrill and unfortunately one of the most popular if not the most popular marathon on the planet will not perform and it's sad because it's actually going to be the second time in the last eight years. That will have the New York City Marathon cancelled Remember Hurricane Sandy back in 2012 There was not a marathon then And it won't be a marathon this year So just thought to bring that up Because that's part of not only just here being New York And I get that people outside of New York don't care But for all my runners out there And for those who wonder whether or not The marathon was going to jump off later on this year That is not going to be the case Also The golf, you had the Travelers in Connecticut over the weekend Where Dustin Johnson was your winner He shot 19 under Uh, I didn't watch the tournament I didn't follow it I did pay attention to it a little bit on Friday Because I believe after 36 holes, Phil Mickelson had led And that was a big story Now, mind you, the Travelers is not a major It's not a golf tournament that people are going to flock to the sets to watch Of course, it's not the Masters It's not the PGA, the US Open, etc But what Mickelson At the top of the leaderboard after two days A lot of people thought Hey, can Mickelson recapture some of that magic? Maybe go on a little bit of run As they head into deep in the summer And as we get into the fall To perform a lot of these tournaments Especially the major tournaments at that But he certainly came up a little bit small As he ended eight strokes behind Dustin Johnson for the tournament One of the things that I looked at here That a lot of players shot Either in the low 60s or in the mid 60s for a lot of these rounds so it made me think was the golf course just a layup was it that much of a piece of cake for a lot of these players I believe one of the golfers I can't remember from the top he shot a 60 and I believe it's a par usually these courses are par 72 71 probably at the lowest and here he's shooting a 60 so it made me think that with the weather being no- warm in the northeast and who knows how the greens were uh, they must have been just perfect and not only that it must have been Like I said, I probably could have shot on that golf course and maybe would have got 100. Now, obviously that's a stretch, people. I'm not a golfer to say the least, but considering that a lot of these players did shoot in the mid to low 60s, certainly says a lot, not only just about their ability, of course, but even wondering if the golf course wasn't even that much of a challenge for them considering the low scores in these rounds. So that was something that raised an eyebrow for me as I paid attention to it a little bit on the back end. But again, I I certainly was not on top of this to say the least. And then you had the situation with NASCAR. I know last week I came out with my Zero of the Week, the whole Bubba Wallace noose investigation in his garage. Now the FBI looked into it. No charges were made after one of the crew members found what looked to be a noose in his garage and brought it to the NASCAR officials. They deemed it at first to possibly be a hate crime, but then upon investigation, they noticed that that noose or the rope whatever you want to call it, that's what they called it was just a rope. But when the photo came out, to me, that was like a noose tried and, you know, time after time. I mean, I don't care what you say. That was a noose if you ask me. But since it was placed there six to eight months ago and not knowing that Wallace's garage was going to be there, they can't deem it to be a hate crime. So no charges were brought upon whomever had placed that in there. It's certainly a terrible optic. It goes without saying. And I came out last week not knowing that the investigation was just underway and I just thought whomever had put it in there, Certainly, it was just an awful job, but whether it was put in there six months ago, eight months ago, and it just so happened that Bubba Wallace's team had parked there in the garage, it does smell a little bit fishy, but obviously, I'm not part of the investigation. I don't know. You just have to take it for what it is and just hope that it was just a freak occurrence. It certainly looks suspicious. You got to wonder, even if it was a white racer that was in there or in the garage, would somebody have picked that up and either thrown it in the garbage and swept it under the rug? Or would they've reported it Who knows I mean obviously we'll never know But you just hope That something like that Doesn't pop up again Throughout the course of this year Or in our lifetime Or in the rest of lifetime Because again As we all know And I detailed weeks ago You know every little thing And I get that people Are going to be batty about it They're going to be Oh come on it's no big deal No it is I mean you you have to look At situations like this As the world we live in And if you just want to Thumb your nose at it Or just not make it a big deal Especially if you're not of uh, African American descent Or of a person of color I mean what can you say You just You have to look at this And It has to be brought to The light and to the attention And then kudos for the Person who does bring it To the attention To show that Not only do they mean business But it is Obviously it's a very serious issue So We just have to Hope that that was just A freak occurrence And that uh, Something like that Doesn't uh, resurface Somewhere down the road Alright A couple of quickies Before I say goodbye Which will be my Hero in Zero of the week My hero of the week is Joe Bugle, the longtime offensive line coach, notably for the Redskins teams of the 80s, the Hogs, you remember, of Russ Grimm, Joe Jacoby, Mark May, guys like that. He passed away at the age of 80 over the weekend, also was the coach of the Phoenix Cardinals, right? When they first went from St. Louis to Arizona, they were the Phoenix Cardinals and then changed to the Arizona Cardinals. Sadly, he dies at the age of 80, the... Cause of death was unknown So As of right now We do not know how he had Left us here So Thoughts Prayers Condolences Go out to the Bugle family And my Zero of the Week Is the father of Novak Djokovic For blaming Tennis player Grigor Dimitrov For passing COVID To his famous son Now there was this event In Serbia Where Djokovic is from Where I believe he had Serbian Croatian Players At this event For his father to blame another tennis player, I mean, that is just as shallow and as low blow as you could get. I mean, if Djokovic was one of the people who had organized this event and nobody were wearing any masks, nobody was social distancing, I don't care if it was Dimitrov, I don't care if it was a ball boy or ball girl or the, whomever it was, the person who ran the joint, I don't want to hear it. Why is he going to point the finger at Dimitrov and Chances are they did say that Dimitrov was the one who had it and passed it on to Djokovic But Djokovic should have been smart about it I guess he felt as if they were going to be fine We're not going to social distance in this part of the region There weren't any high numbers, whatever it may be But for his father just to come out and point the finger at him uh, geez, that is just as bush league as it gets So sorry, Mr. Djokovic, you are my zero of the week all right, so that will conclude Episode 141 here The j Podcast Hope you enjoyed that And again Just a lot of sunshine A lot of positivity Certainly didn't want to break down All these COVID numbers And things of that nature Although they were Sprinkled in throughout If you are a first time listener Thank you very much For choosing to listen to my voice And what it is that I have to say About the world of sports And for those who've been with me For all these episodes Whether it's your third time Fifth time 100th time Or 141st time If you haven't done so If you haven't subscribed, rated, and reviewed this podcast, please, I implore you people to do so, as I say week in and week out, since I'm an independent producer of this podcast, this is what I love to do, and me being that low man on the sports totem pole when it comes to podcasts, if you could go ahead on your app or wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, or wherever you get your podcasts, once you subscribe and get a chance to rate and review this podcast, it will just increase the visibility With all the others that are out there And then on top of that, will generate interest From the outside world who aren't familiar with me To bring in that guest Whether it's the former athlete, the current athlete The sports writer, the blogger Broadcaster, studio host Whatever it may be So please people, if you could go ahead and do that I would be truly grateful and thankful For your participation in doing so Also, this coming Thursday I'm going to have my Ask Me Anything podcast I know I had postpone this going back a few weeks and then I had a few guests which were of the utmost importance which I want to do twice a week as we all know to have my thoughts and opinions on Monday and then to bring that guest in on Thursday well this Thursday I'll have an ask me anything podcast so you can ask me anything about the podcast about me about life about nutrition running as I mentioned before for my runners out there in my marathon segment I'm open to it all so what you could do people is send me a question or even a comment Criticism, praise, whatever it may be On the following social media sites Whether it's on Instagram at J Reels Or the J Reels Podcast On Twitter, J Reels 1, just a number On Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page And the old-fashioned way by email The J Reels Podcast at gmail.com Please, send it all to me I'll make sure to follow up I'll make sure to even shout you out Your name and where you're from on this podcast come Thursday And look for my social media accounts For me to post that Over the course of the next couple of days And then lastly You could also check out the website At jreels.com To find out more about me Bio on me The gallery For a few pictures That I posted up there As well as Also an article That uh, one of the internet trades That were out there Internet sites I should say Where they were talking about Just my beginnings My journey into podcasting And how that came about Because if you don't know Or if you already know this is my love, people This is my passion I love to entertain and inform everybody With the credible analysis And opinions of yours truly Each and every week As I love to do Whether it's on the diamond On the ice On the gridiron On the hardwood The golf course, racetrack, tennis court You name it From my lips to your ears From my heart to your soul From where I am to wherever you are The j Rose Podcast Always comes correct, direct, and in full effect from the South Bronx, to South Beach, to South Central, to South Pacific, and no points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until Thursday, here next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.